Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that the following programme may contain the names of people who have died. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. Hey, this week... It's still Australia Month, where we look at mostly Australian films. We do one from New Zealand as well. And today, we are reviewing perhaps the most Australian of Australian films, Crocodile Dundee. Joining me as always, we have two people, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's a big old g'day to top bloke Dean Lovett. G'day. How are you doing, Dean? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for uh, asking. You have not seen Crocodile Dundee. I have not. I think I've absorbed most of it through the zeitgeist and living in Australia and the, the Simpsons will do that and, to you. <laughs> you know, I I I've played knifey spoony before, mm-hmm. uh, but no, I've never actually watched the film. Mm. So, what are you expecting? Um, Paul Hogan, really, just being Paul Hogan, and I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think a lot of it's been done a thousand times, and but this was obviously the the originator of it. So, I'm expecting to see this similar kind of gags or motifs to what I've seen before. But I'll know that this was the first time. This was the progenitor of it. It certainly was. Well, luckily we have someone who has seen the film. Uh, please say a big old good day to uh, Top Sheila, Katrina Johnston. I don't know how to respond to that, <laughs> other than just, hello, good sir. I mean, you could say, please stop. That, that's yeah. also an option. <laughs> um, how are you doing, Katrina? I'm very well, thank you. Not as sleepy as I was last time you had me on. <laughs> what was that for? Uh, clue. Clue. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it was 2020. Everyone was very tired then. <laughs> now we're in the brand new utopia of 2021. And everything is fine yeah. and yeah. great. yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how we've mm. already overcome those so so many issues that the weeks of 2021 have brought upon us. Mm. We are recording this on January the 2nd, so we apologise if we offend because <laughs> oh, of no. some yeah. other some thing. Yeah. absolutely horrible thing happens between yeah. now and the release. Yeah, however, we're assuming it's all pretty good. And hey, Fingers it might, might be even better because we're going to watch Crocodile Dundee. Mm-hmm. Um, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can people who've not seen this film like Dean expect? Well, I think, I think Dean sort of hit it hit the nail on the head in that it is very in the zeitgeist so I don't think there are going to be too many surprises for you Dean Um, but it is there is such a concept of as cultural cringe Mm -hmm. and for me this is maybe not the epitome of of Australian cultural cringe but it's definitely in there. Is it tongue in cheek? Is it satire? Is uh, it like is yes, it self aware it, of its cultural heightening? Uh yeah, yeah. I mean it's a comedy, so it's it's doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm. Uh, and that's fine. Um, but you, you know, we, it is it is the for anyone who has for any Australian who has travelled outside of Australia, it is part of the reason why people go, Oh, have you wrestled any crocodiles lately? Mm. You say yes. Um, yeah, this was. That's what we do on a daily basis. I mean, mm. for anyone who's listening to this mine. outside of Australia, obviously, I you should know that crocodile wrestling is a thing you need to learn before you come to Australia. The only thing that you will not find, which I think they really missed a really missed a moment, mm. although considering where it's set, probably why no drop bears. No drop bears. They do not they must warn been, people about the drop it, bears. Where's it shot? Is it in South Australia or the NT? 
Um, I believe, from memory, a lot of it is sort of Outback NT and some of it is right. New okay. South Wales. Yeah, yeah I so, mean, there's less, obviously, it depends on the time of year, but there'd be less drop bears yeah, uh, around, yeah. just it's not, probably because of the heat, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and drop bears aren't that common in 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 the NT. Yeah, yeah. so not enough tree coverage. Yeah, I mean it could be that there were drop bears, but that particular second unit didn't survive. Because Maybe. The yeah, drop bears. I mean you'd want to. Yeah. It's possible they shot it in a completely different country and they just said it was Australia. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like with Mad Max Fury Road, where it's actually filmed in like Central Africa, but yeah. they've just. Yeah. Put some gum leaves out in the mm. hope that we'll all believe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious to see this film because I've not seen it since I was a kid and it was mm. the first piece of media I saw that depicted Australia. So this I was see. this was the thing that where I was like, what is this place as I sit in, you know, a fish and chip shop Except drinking one tea. Day, <laughs> one day I'm going to go there and I'm going to get myself a, a leather vest. Yep. I'm going to wrestle me some Crocs. That's exactly what I thought <laughs> yeah. at the age of nine. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. sat there going like, oh, I can't wait. Um, yeah, so I'm really curious to see how it looks as well. And also, you're both Australian. I am mm-hmm. uh, not from here, but I'm now an Australian citizen. Um, I'm really curious to see what, I suppose, the differences are in that respect and how much of that cultural cringe has maybe even seeped across to me, having lived here for so long. <laughs> we'll wait and see. So, shall we watch Crocodile Dundee? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, now, nah, yeah. Cobra. For those of you listening at home, popping those DVDs. Wait, that's not a DVD. This is a DVD. As we watch Crocodile Dundee. Welcome back, Copper. We've just finished watching Crocodile Dundee. And by we, I of course mean Katrina Johnston. Hello. And Dean Lovett. Spickety doo. Hey, Dean. <laughs> yep. Uh, that was your first time watching Crocodile Dundee. It's true, it was. <laughs> uh, what did you think? Core blimey. <laughs> uh, can I just be honest? Yeah. yeah. I didn't care much for it. Oh, really? Yeah, sorry. I mean, I can appreciate where a lot of that stuff kind of started and kind of developed, but... Um, I just, I just, I don't know. Uh, look, there was a few moments where I think we all were like, we laughed and we actually went, that was a pretty good gag. That mm. was a pretty good joke. Yeah. So, you know, it's not all bad. I think my biggest problem was I just found the two leads to be thoroughly unlikable. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's interesting because I don't know that this is a particularly funny film, but it's a very charming film. Mm. And yeah. Like, a, a comedy can be charming without necessarily being overly funny and still well, work. yeah, you can go irreverent kind of comedy yeah. that's just like a, hmm. Yeah, I, I've, if I remember the podcast on Father of the Bride, mm. I, I believe that sort of sentiment could be, could be applied to that. Yeah. Maybe I, less so, but... I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'll say I preferred this to Father of the Bride. I'll, mm. but, but also, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of fine. I, I, I will admit... Mm. There's a lot of I think this fine film. is the right word. Yeah, there's a lot of this film where I was just like, this is sort of happening, and I'm not necessarily like laughing or in like th- feeling that sensation of like, this is so enjoyable. But at the same time, there were very few bits where I was like, oh, can we not have this or can we can we move on or yeah, things like yeah. that? Like, I don't it, think I was ever bored. Mm. 
And usually those bits where we were, where we were all like, oh, could we not? It's when they were being either really sexist or transphobic mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, product of their time. Yeah, which we will get on to. Yes. Uh, but the, the story such that it is, is um, there's a man out in the Australian outback called Paul Hogan, Paul Hogan who decided he <laughs> wanted to play another man in the Australian Paul, outback Paul called Hogan. Crocodile Dundee. Um, and he's... He's a bit of a card. He he wrestles oh, alligators. I thought you were going to say a different C word. <laughs> well, he is also oh. a bit of that C word as well. But I'm going to go with card. What a what a jack of all trades. Yeah, oh. yeah he's um, he's a real, you know, he's a he's a bloke's bloke. He's, he's a, a real man, man. Paul Hogan's he's wish a... fulfillment self insert yeah. alter ego. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, he he is playing this sort of. Uh, macho is maybe not the right word, but he is playing like a very sort of like male ideal mm. character. Not not to the point of other characters in this time period, like you know when Ar- whenever Arnold Schwarzenegger was playing, like these like ubermensch like mm. warriors. Like this is this is somebody who this Crocodile Dundee character is sort of representing. Like it's the Australian answer to like top shelf masculinity. Yeah. Um. Mm. It it's like I don't. I don't think it's unusual it's like- that this was made in the same decade as Peter Weir's Gallipoli. Mm. And in some ways, Russell Crowe's character in that sort of takes along similar similar beats. Yeah. It's almost like he's, he's, he's hyper-masculine, but he's quite... But he's Australian he's, he's hyper-masculine. He's gentle, almost, and he's that kind of winky cheeky about it you know he'll still casually punch a dude in the face after telling them to look away Mm. but then be like i don't know just a cheeky bugger you know it's because he's he's hitting all the points whenever whenever people ask australians what do you think is the australian character it's always larrikinism Mm. uh fair go all that kind of very we dragged it out of the anzac myth Mm ideas and i think he just embodies those hmm. which um if you do anything past a cursory glance on those ideals uh and where they came from he just punched too surprising. many people just i think he punched he just kept punching people all the time and i'm hmm. like it's not that's not cool man you're just not not big on just random assault that's not something I that just, you think is good i, I yeah okay that's just i just think if i knew i mean how long was this how long was this what was the length three days of the kind of internal world of the film three four days Uh, i I think more like three four weeks yeah okay it was it was i think they were out in the bush for about a week week, yeah and they were in new york for at least we saw him punch (laughs) like five people he punched the kangaroo hunter he didn't punch uh, the guy with the beer on his head in the bar because he kissed him because that was how he was going to get him to spill his beer. But he still I... punched a guy in that bar. He, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah kangaroo the kangaroo hunter. hunter. Right. Um, he punched uh, Richard in New York. Punched the pimp. The pimp. Mm. Uh, he didn't punch the guy that tried to knife him, but... He... he didn't obviously got into the fight with those other guys. Yeah. I can yeah. overlook the, the, the fight one because yeah. you're like, well, that's... Because he's being threatened. Just... It's... I don't know, if you knew someone who was punching people that often, you should be concerned. Yeah, maybe. No, actually, definitely. You <laughs> yes. should be concerned. I mean, if they're punching... Uh, n- no. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, okay, so... He's but to be fair, this is, the, this is the 80s, and yeah, this is the film, and, that's how, and you, it's, that's how you solve issues. Well, this is it. This is why I, like, I get serious kind of author self-insert vibes, which is just like, I can just, oh, I can just punch them. 
and that's fine and I'm okay to do that because mm. they've you know done some slighted me in some way and that mm. makes it okay to just but also because I think they thought it was funny oh yeah like sure talking about this kind of makes me think um have you seen the black comedy sketch where Briggs plays a a reformed felon and he jumped who yeah and he goes into the writer's room yeah he goes into the writer's room and it's like you're gonna need to bleep out something Stephen okay oh this scenario could happen and this and this and this and then Briggs pipes up and he's like yeah and then we could hit him in the face with a brick uh, yes, I, I am it, aware of that. You, you, you might be asking a bit much of the listeners to... <laughs> ABC iView, I believe, has Black hey, Comedy. Hey, everyone should funny. be watching Black Comedy. It's great That's comedy. very good, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Look, I mean, the use of violence by Crocodile Dundee is... Um, is, is I'd say quite low on the list of uh, just issues. In, in general, which, though, I think yeah. that he... The character... Look, it's a film... It's all in good fun. Like well, I don't want to be yeah. too nitpicky, but the character themselves, especially when we when you pointed out that Paul Hogan wrote it, yeah, right. He wasn't it, the only writer. He's just though. good at everything. But, but yeah, but the character, everyone loves yeah. him everywhere he goes. He's, yeah, but everyone he can loves throw him. a can a Every- block away in a crowd of people and knock out someone with a can. Yeah. But everyone loves him because he's a larrikin, to put in quotation marks. Mm. Because yes, he's. Because he takes the piss out of himself as much when, as he takes it. Well, the whole the character in the world of the film never takes piss out of themselves. From the audience perspective, we we, no. we make fun of him a bit, but also we also see that his actions are intentional. Mm. Mm. I think it's partly an an issue of the fact that Just, this film is essentially a fantasy film. Yeah. Because if you're watching this as yeah. an American, yeah. Australia might as well be some fantasy land. And that's kind of... Yeah, apparently we don't exist to some people. Yeah. There is that con- whole well, conspiracy the, theory. The vibe I've got, and this is the thing, is it's funny you should say fantasy, because the vibe I keep coming back to is it feels like someone's Dungeons and Dragons character. <laughs> yeah. That they've written up this kind of like Bushman ranger who can just do everything. And he's, mm. you know, like it, it feels like a... Yeah, it feels like a fantasy. Yeah. but And I think that that is partly the the fun of this film and the escapism yes. of it is that you have somebody who in the real world is like an egotistical psychopath mm. is Mick Dundee. Loves like, his dead kangaroo puppets. Yeah, like he's basically like he's like he's he he wouldn't be out of place in Wolf Creek. Um except that is not the framing that we've gone for. This is somebody who in this world is just kind of like yeah that that lovable larrikin but mm. he also has a lot of behaviors that if you try and apply them to the real world are very mm. troubling yeah. as you say using the dead kangaroo um to scare <laughs> off the kangaroo hunters by making them think a kangaroo is Look, shooting a rifle it was it was a great scene we all agreed it <laughs> yeah. was a great scene probably there's a possibly reason why a highlight. I said it was my favorite scene possibly yeah. a highlight of the film it's just kind of clever in a way that anyway uh, but then again the reality sets in that he's just picked up the corpse that we just looked at of this kangaroo with a big hole in it and he's like here we go just puppet it around with a gun but it's that's 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 him using his wits like he like he has this sort of brute strength behind him but he doesn't always use it like he uses it on the crocodile when he stabs it through the head because you, that's, you can't outwit a crocodile. Yeah. But we see him doing like the trick with the water buffalo to calm yeah. it down and then later with the dogs. Mm. Like that's he uses him. speak with animals. Yeah. yeah, see, the thing is, I think, yes... <laughs> he's just... a D&D character. I'm convinced <laughs> of it now. I think in some ways he's... Um, one, we wouldn't have the character of Russell Coit 
if we didn't have Mick Dunn. Oh, Correct. well then, absolutely. I'm, I, I love this film because <laughs> all Aussie Adventures is a gift. It is. Um, but too, I think he is, I think you're right, Dean, in that he, he kind of, yeah, lots of bravado and irritating bravado. But there is also an element of he can, he can meet the challenges that he is given. Mm. Like he does have skills. And yes, it is it is author insertion, but you do find people like that out mm. in the world, particularly out. You, what? Go you, on. As in, with those sets of skills. Throwing a can. Well, of not necessarily beans that one. A block away to knock someone out. I don't know. They I'm sure we could find a baseball player to do that. The ability to just one hit knock out half the people in the film. This is a film, though. Remember. Also, just to be clear, um, if you're out there. If someone gets knocked out via concussion, that's incredibly bad for you. You yes. should go to a doctor and get an MRI. Yeah, you shouldn't just don't like, just because the, the movies account. have convinced you you can knock someone out. That is not no. Don't let them just slide down in their chair in the middle of a fancy <laughs> restaurant. That person is likely to die. Yeah, um, of course, Mick uh, is is sort of thrust into this this adventure of going to New York through meeting uh, the journalist Sue. Uh, who is doing a report on the Crocodile Man and writing for the newspaper. And her dad, I think, owns the newspaper, at the very least edits yeah. it. Um, no, the dad no, he owns, owns it. it. Yeah. He owns it, yeah. He's and big Richard. That's right, because Richard, her boyfriend, is the, the, the stand-in editor. Yeah. Or he is the... I don't know. Yeah. It's but anyway, uh, she's, from, she's from a fairly well-off um, Yeah, she's rich. And so she goes and is doing this story. And they meet, and she's experiencing life in the bush. And uh, they... They form a connection, um, mm. which which is um, I feel like that's being a bit generous. Well, it's interesting because Dean, you had a real sort of issue with with their whole relationship. <laughs> I don't think they formed a connection. I think he's the the strong implications between him and his other co part uh, counterpart that runs the kind of a uh, Wally the yeah. tours um, and all of his actions that we quite pointed. You know, like when he was trying to play up his kind of persona to her, mm. uh, it heavily points towards the implication that he does that to bang tourists. <laughs> I don't think it's to bang tourists, but I think it's to, like, entrance them. Sure. Because he was talking about... Unless you know, he the wants sto- to bang The them. story that... Well, that's... There's probably a crossover there. Yes. The story that there Wally... There was a secret signal between him and his... The story his that, Wally? Wally, Wally. that Wally gives uh, Sue in the pub, mm. which is like really over yeah. the top. And and like, and like then when, he, when she asks so he, he, Mick... Let me finish. When she asks Mick um, why you call Crocodile Dundee, and he's like, oh, it's to like sort of... Mm. In, interest the tourists basically yeah. mm. and you can see that he does it he's like oh yeah gotta gotta you know get my knife out to shave rather than my safety razor and yeah. checking so, the time before okay. looking at the perhaps he, perhaps he doesn't try to lay with every tourist that comes across his path but he he, he misrepresents himself or he, he, he uh, embellishes you're, heightens yeah but you've uh, also he, he's, he's a good publicity man yeah you also got to remember he's doing this to a reporter yes who has a very wide reading like yeah, so, Influence. So we're in a great. He, his actions are deliberate yes. and calculated. Yes, but not oh. necessarily. Okay, now that we've established that he knows s- that he's doing it. Dean, everyone does that to some extent. Maybe okay. not quite as obvious and it's not hasn't been made a film out okay, of. Okay, look, look, look. Fine, sure. None of us are perfect. That's what you're 
defending Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying you're, you're, you're laying things at his feet uh, that don't necessarily deserve to be there. Okay, I we can all agree that he plays it up. Yes, mm-hmm. that he puts it on, but it's also and he for knows comedic why effect. he's doing it. Mm. Okay, we're talking in the world of the film. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. and then she comes along and she's into the act, and then she, they they eventually kiss. Yeah, mm. she has a partner back at home. Yeah, which yes. we don't know about at this so, point. Well, no, of course. Like, no, no, they they've spoken on the phone right at the beginning. True. Yeah, that's right. He says, "Darling" or something. He oh, does say, "Darling," but it's 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 not. We don't know the extent to how serious that relationship yeah. is. And to be honest, I don't think we, even though he proposes, we don't really get any sense of how important the, either relationship is to her. Yeah. yeah well, this is my, this Despite is kind of, this is my thing. I, <laughs> my biggest thing is that the, the film, although it never overtly kind of says it, and you could argue that they could go whatever the way they want. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it, it's, this whole thing is framed as a love story. And I think I would feel more comfortable if it was framed as just two adults uh, who realize that they might fancy each other. Mm. Like at the end when she's like, because I love you. I'm like, you've, you, you've not known him very long and mm. he's kind of always been. I kind of feel like that is a problem with a lot of films though, particularly because this is like mm. a 90 minute film. And, mm. I, and I think the issues that you're coming up with aren't necessarily to do with the characters per se, although in some way, yes, uh, but more just their lax plot. Oh, well, yeah. And yeah. which you highlighted while we were watching the film. I think we were like yeah, 30 minutes really. in and you're like, so what's the plot? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is it. Oh, no, I mean, that was it, yeah. <laughs> and it's a separate topic, but yeah, it does. Mm. It did, the film did kind of seem like things were just happening. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, at no point, as we discussed, at no point was I like, what's, where's this going? Well, I, I feel bored. I yeah. feel like for the first half of the film, it could very well have easily just been a tourist advert. Oh, I think the whole thing was. Well, until you get to New York. No, I'd say even then. Yeah. Just the just way the New Yorkers New York? react to him and... Oh, maybe for New York. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. no, more like um, the fish out of water gag was obviously yeah. what they were going for there. But also, you know, just seeing the people be like, oh, we love crocodile. We love the Australians. Yeah, the Australians are great. We like, you know... Wasn't enough. They were, they were just like they they would just feature Australia. They also mm. wanted to be like, look, Americans love Australians too. Yeah, mm. you'll have a good time yeah. if you go over there. You'll get to meet um, David Gulpilil wearing uh, jeans and a watch, <laughs> um, and and they're, he's super friendly. And oh, there's a snake. Ah, oh, don't worry though. We'll we'll deal with that. Like uh, you know, do you want some guana and beans? Like it, it's 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 an goanna. interest. <laughs> Sorry, goanna. Goanna. Not goanna. No. 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 That's, That's too close to Guano, isn't it? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, you might be able to tell by my voice. I don't live bush that often. Um, I'm not. Oh, we're actually recording this out. Um, uh, out in Alice Springs. Yeah, we're, yeah. In, we're, in, we're, in the, we're in the springs we're in right the, now. We're in the shadow of Uluru. And we are, we are sat here. There's kangaroos going past. Yep. No drop bears because they're not in season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful. And the Prime Minister is changing round about now. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of day. Um, yeah. So, this I, I quite liked a lot of the scenes in Australia. Mm. And the scenes in New York were, were also good. But I kind of felt as though... Uh, I think I preferred the stuff that was set in Australia as opposed to the stuff that was set in New York. Yeah. But At the very least, it looked prettier. It did, it did look prettier. Mm. Um, but... The, the, fish... the tight shots, though, even yeah. the Australian ones. Mm. 
But the fish definitely could have like pulled out the camera and really showed some landscapes. But yeah, yeah. that's nitpicky. Yeah, yeah, it's it was it was pretty good. The fish out of water stuff did work quite well though, and I think that is where the character of Crocodile Dundee is sort of at his best, mm. Mm. Um, and also well, at his worst. But mostly for the comedic effect, I think he's he's at his best when you know it's yeah. like. The, the cab pulls up and he just starts talking to people on the street and yeah things like seven million people god new york must be the friendliest city in the world like <laughs> they're all really fantastic and i think that's quite a, a sort of good fun way of like mm. it's he's, he's essentially the the 80s equivalent of a character like borat where we want mm. we want to see this strange weird mm. person yeah. from somewhere that is an, another place mm. Mm. And they got a lot of mileage out of it. Yeah. You know, they, they effectively made just in joke after joke of yeah. fish out of water. Effectively half the film is that. But uh, none of them felt repetitive or too repetitive anyway. Yeah. Um, that's not a knife. This is a knife. Did, did that work for you, Dan? Oh, I've seen it. I, I kind of yeah. I knew it. Um, he cut that guy's shirt up for some reason. Mm. It's a weird move. but Yeah, just to sort of tell yeah. him off. Yeah, just... This yeah. is a, a mild punishment. Yeah. A uh, special shout out to Reginald Val Johnson playing Gus the limo driver oh, really? for um, mm. throwing the boomerang. Uh, oh, my God. I did not remember that. Yeah. See, I did. But in my head, I remembered that it was Crocodile Dundee that had done it. Ah. Oh. So when he did it, I was like, oh, okay. I've completely misremembered that because I've not seen this since I was about nine. Yeah. So. There was a good example of a character that just... Loved Crocodile Dundee in spite of the fact that he probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Oh, because of the whole... Uh, yeah. Like first time he meets him... He goes, what What tribe are you from? Because he's a, a black man. Yeah. Yeah, but see... And I... he just kind of goes... <laughs> you, you are a larrikin. No, that was... I mean, he... Yes, okay, it was a misunderstanding, but there is there was no other substantial anything shown. There was no consequence for... That person should have been like, hey, man, super racist. Mm. But I don't think it is. That's the thing. At least it's like trying to establish a connection. Yeah. Like, yes, it is It is assuming that one black person is the same as another. But he's also, Crocodile Dundee has also stated he's never gone anywhere yeah. outside of his, of his area. So it's kind of understandable that he just doesn't know. I think it is all to do with the framing. I think yeah. because this is a film where we followed Crocodile Dundee, we have that understanding. Mm. If this was a film well, about is, yeah, Gus the limo exactly. driver and he picks up this guy one day and one yeah. of the first things he says is, what tribe are you from? Yeah. Then mm. I this think is kind that, of, yeah. that that would be very different. But that's not the film. Like, I'm not watching. saying that like Crocodile Dundee had any negative intentions. Mm. But I'm saying that realistically in that scenario, that guy would have been like, oh, okay. In the context Massive. in the context of like audience watching the film, yes, it's racist. Mm. I don't think within the context of the film, within the world of the film it is. Or at least in terms Ooh. of the context of what... Mick I would say, in the con- I would say, in the context of the audience and the film, it was not racist because he had, you know, it was, again, it was part of the fish out of water. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that if you take your perspective purely from that driver who's not chatted to him before, and the first thing well, he says, but he is, was sitting what in the tribe are you from? He was sitting in the front with him, so he's clearly he's seen probably he's... having a chat with him. <laughs> he's okay. so fish out of water. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do. Uh, this is probably a good time to to touch on this particular area because uh, we are about to get into. Uh, the issues with this film. Mm. Uh, let's start with the fact that the character... We haven't already. <laughs> of, no, no, now we're really... We're getting into oh, the yeah, ones yeah. with isms at the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, the fact that um, Mick Dundee 
is a character who is a, a white Australian who uh, says that he was raised by indigenous tribes, as he calls them, yes. and is depicted in this film as having a, a good, a pretty good friendship with Neville, an indigenous yes. character, and also being an accepted member yeah. of an indigenous Looks community. Looks like he's been initiated. Yeah, like he's wearing the, the, the paint. He's there at the... He's the, there during men's business. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did that read to to you two, our, our, our 2021 audience? Our 2021 audience, that's very white. Um, do you want to go first, Dan? I mean, my answer's going to be similar to a lot of the <laughs> others. It sounds like something a middle-aged white person would do if they were going to be a self-insert character who lived on the land in Australia. Mm. Okay. Um, yes, that may, that may be it, but I don't... I think it kind of fits with the character having, you know, having all the knowledge. Where is he going to get that knowledge from? He's mm. probably going to get it from the indigenous people because yeah. they know more shit. Mm. Um, the issues that I had with the representation of indigenous people is one, there wasn't enough. Mm. There's only one character really with a speaking role. Yeah, with yeah. Neville. And to be fair, he did have a good. There good, were no women. His scene was good scene. Yeah, yeah it was a good scene. Good but he was funny. It was one scene. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think he gets a bit more, bit more play in the sequel. He does because I had a very specific memory of it, him using a mobile phone, and it's yes. not in this film. So no, that's in the third one. Mm. That's right because they're living in Australia and their kids go to school together. That's right. Yeah. Um. And oh, I don't think I think it's Ernie Dingo actually in the second film, sure. and there is this whole joke, mm. like. That he plays up that he's because they've captured some people and they play up. It's like oh, we're going to eat them, and it's yeah. So I have sorry back to the issue. Um, so yeah, I have some issues with the fact that there aren't enough. There are no indigenous women in there, mm-hmm. uh, even and really only one reference to them in the fact when he's when he's talking about the food. The word Aborigine is used a lot, mm-hmm. which is generally, particularly now at least, is considered racist, a racist term. Yeah, and, and that's something I did want to ask is because, I, one, I wasn't alive at that time, yeah. but two, I, I did not live in Australia during this time period. Mm. Was that a term that was acceptable at any point previously? Yes, yes, right. it was acceptable. Um, I don't know when it stopped being acceptable I know it was used uh, right when, basically when they were discussing the Stolen Generation, mm. you know, the actual, um, uh, what's the word? The actual legislation of it and things like that. Right. Aborigine was used frequently. Mm-hmm. And that's partly why it's considered um, racist right. because of who it was used by. I only became aware of it being racist, a racist term when going through university mm-hmm. in the what, 2010s, um, but it obviously, by that point, that was within mm. ac- um, academia that that was decided. And you only used it in historical context. So if you were quoting a poster by the Aborigine Protection Board, that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, the other issues I have is the continuation of myths about Aborigines, like they didn't have calendars, they don't... And just they're walking in a very fine line discussing Indigenous people's relationship to the land. Mm. Um, and I found that whole scene 
difficult. Yeah, where he basically say says where the land doesn't belong to them, they belong to the land. Which is kind of accurate, but then uses that mm. as a way to therefore they Side shouldn't... Sidestep the question Yeah, entirely. to sidestep this question and we shouldn't... It doesn't matter. She and, asks a question about stolen land. Yeah, about land And he land goes, rights. oh... Don't yeah. worry about it. They don't care. They never owned it in the and first then, place. As we, is essentially yeah. what he says. As we said at the time, we're like in a in a Monday context. You just know, <laughs> you know that the because he points to what is it? Two rocks. Two on, rocks. Yeah. And he says, "Oh, they'll be here long after we're all gone." And I'm just thinking, well, not if a mining company's taking this bloody <laughs> the land away. They'll be, yeah. they'll be strip mined in, in 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 a year's time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's not. It's definitely not the worst representation of Indigenous people, but it is by no means mm. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would... I would. Look, it's tricky because I would... It's probably... As much as I kind of criticised, like, on the one hand, I, I would criticise the whole, like, oh, I'm good with... The, again, it comes across as he's just everyone's friend and everyone loves him. At the same time, I would also say I don't think it was this film's place to really start and try and make a comment on it. No. And I think any attempt to do so would have been nice for a little more representation, mm. but for him to really well, try and make a comment if, if would have just come across. Yeah, but there were yeah. there are other Not ways that. to to bring it to bring it across. He could he could be like, "Well, yeah, it's really important to them, but it's mm. not my place because I'm like although I'm part of them, I mm. am not I am not an indigenous person. Yeah. And also he's mm. someone that has declared basically at the start of that scene that he doesn't have strong opinions about yes. things. Mm. And they could have tied it into that, but also it's, it's, it's a comedy. It's not something that is, a te- it, this is not attempting to make a serious point yes. about basically anything. So yeah. I'm, I'm not expecting it to, to have done terribly well in that respect. Mm. Um, the relationship that Mick has with specifically Sue, mm. but, more sort of broadly his relationship with women in general yeah mm. i thought that's right it was going to be a lot more blunt and on the nose than it was and it is pretty blunt on yeah. on the nose but my memory of it was that it was a it was very sexist whereas merely it is just sexist yeah. um which is you know it's still not it's, good it's probably within it's about as sexist as any 80s film no he, more no uh, less i would say reminded of the fact that he left his wife for 18 months or something Yeah, because he because he went walkabout mm. and then said oh she left me which also just as the if, general as if just the very was... general use of the term walkabout with using very as far as i'm aware incorrect translation oh, I, did, I didn't get the it. sense that he was trying to be like oh yeah i went walkabout because that's what we, no, i, I mean, got the sense that he was just using that as a way of saying i disappeared for 18 months doing yeah, what i went, wanted to do he yeah. went into um, the bush but it's interesting because did he but both he and sue yeah he, ha- went, have, he went to wall creek he went yeah. wherever he wanted to go <laughs> for 18 months yeah he and, sue and just called it a walkabout yeah. both have uh these these failed relationships because sue talks about having a failed relationship in her past, even prior to Richard. Mm. At one point, it's yeah. kind of like a throwaway line, but it's there. Um, it's when they're talking about issues. Yeah. So, like, I think it's you know they're people that have have had loves and have moved on. Like yeah. it, it happens. And in Mick's case, he literally moved on. <laughs> yeah. That was the problem. But his so he has the scene which feels very typically eighties and insert other decades here mm. uh, as well, where after they have an argument about saying that she wouldn't last five minutes in the bush, he follows her. Now, 
you could be mm. one reading could be that he was doing it to make sure that she's all right and she doesn't get killed and she does almost get killed. That's so what I always read it as yeah. as a kid. But I think it is also possible to read it as he's a perv because he does perv on her when she uh, takes off the skirt and is wearing the most eighties of swimsuits, which is basically right up the bottom. Uh, I I would literally call that. Here, I'm going to show you what I had for breakfast last week. Yeah. Um, it was swimsuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dean, is, you were the first time viewer for this one. Look. How, how did I, that read? I could go both ways with it. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's a trope as well. The whole kind of pervin on the, I'm going to go have a swim or I'm going to go um, wash my clothes or whatever. Mm. And the male character, you know, ooh. This is when they realise that they're into them, you know. Because mm. they've seen their butt. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's been done. Mm. It's that's, a trope. That's the, that's the way to a person's heart, through the butt. And yes, you could argue that he was... <laughs> depends on the swimsuit. Uh, <laughs> you could argue that he was doing it to protect her. You know, we, we do see that he kind of... he crouch, He's crouched down and then there's there's points where he's like... So, like, you know, there's a gag where he's so distracted by checking around that he bangs his head, yeah. you know. The question is, all right, here's, here's the question, right? Mm-hmm. If that crocodile hadn't shown up, how would that scene have been interpreted by you? Depends how he would have, how the scene would have ended. Mm. Does she then go for a swim and he's like, oh, I'll get my kid off and join you? Or does he just stay where he is, keeping an eye on things well, or, if, or if, leave? If his, if his purpose was to keep an eye and make sure she's all right... Mm. He would have theoretically just stayed where he was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that it was necessarily framed as he was doing it in a protective way. I think it was very much framed as, oh, he's being a cheeky, a cheeky boy, following along. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then when the danger happened, it was then, oh, justification for his his behaviour. Yeah. See, I always read it he was as, there to as save he her. was as he mm. was there keeping an eye on he her. Mm. Um, I do. I don't know. I yeah. would. I would accept at this point. I, I could interpret either way. I would. I mm. would. If, if, uh, whoever wrote it, whatever they said, their intention was. I'd, yeah. I'd be like, okay, you can justify. Well, that. considering it was Paul Hogan, it was probably a bit of both. Yeah, mm. he was always very polite with the um, sex workers in yes. New York. Um, yeah, because he's polite to women. Yeah, so didn't and know that that was sex workers. Well, first time round. Uh, yeah, and then subsequently round, when he though. when he met them, uh, after he met other sex workers. Um, he understood what they were, um, or what their jobs were, but he, mm. he wasn't like, you know, you know, um, you know, Hey baby, come over here or anything like that. Like, like he, he didn't immediately go to treating them like they weren't people, yeah. which is something that happens a lot with depictions of sex workers in films. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's maybe like a small tick in his favor. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, my, my issues with the relationship between Sue and Mick are sort of more tied into like broader issues of the depiction of like those relationships on film yeah. and how they start. I don't think it was anything. I don't think it was a specific sin that this film. If you looked did. it through a rom-com lens, yeah, mm. the relationships like, yeah, okay. Mm. They fell for each other. But yeah. yeah. I, I, and like, I, I, I didn't necessarily like buy the fact that like they were in love with each other. But yeah, they clearly, it, but they liked each other. That was pretty yeah. clear. Well, that's it, and that's kind of like my thing at the end when she's like, "Cause I love you." I was like, "Ah, oh, come on." Yeah, why couldn't nothing... they, Why couldn't they have just been honest and been like, "Look, she's not happy in her current relationship. Yeah. She's met an exciting man. Mm. 
he's into her as well. But can you imagine her trying to relay that to Maybe that something guy grows. who then has to relay it to the other guy to then get to me? <laughs> yes. Like, it's got to be super simplified language. There's subtlety and nuance to the feelings that I have for you. He made the proposal in a public... Sp- oh, no. He made the proposal in a public space and I had to say yes to avoid social embarrassment in front of my father and many peer figures. All right, I'll pass it on. She said that she had to say yes. Like, it wouldn't work. Like, <laughs> It'd be easier to pass a note. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, you know, it needed that conclusion so that it could freeze frame and fade to black. Yeah. Um, I also didn't like, and I, I know, Kat, you didn't necessarily, you thought I was being too cynical, but I didn't like the fact that she had a partner when she engaged romantically with him. Mm. I don't think they ever slept together. It doesn't seem like it, that was insinuating. No. Uh, Even if Wally thought they did. Yeah. His little fist yeah, pump. Well, they, they, like, got, they got interrupted by Wally. That's right. Before they could even properly make out. So. Yeah. So what was your specific issue with it, Dean? She had a partner and she was making out with someone else. But she, uh, the relationship, I think, is, is shown in this film as being a failing relationship. Mm. And, I don't, and, it also, and it also, to me, felt fairly was... casual. Even though he proposed, even though he proposed, it feels casual. And that's maybe just a failing I of I don't this... think casual relationships were th- as much of a thing in 80s cinema. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe so, not any cinema. I think but... at the point at which he proposed, because like, I even said that, I was like, oh, maybe it's just a casual thing. When he proposed, I was like, no, no, this is a serious relationship. But at least... maybe it's she, she considers it more casual than he does. Sure. I mean, I don't want to speculate too much about which way it could go based but on the no thing evidence. Is, yeah, that that's the thing. We have no evidence because there's. I mean, propose um, someone proposing to someone else heavily points towards have, a serious relationship more than it does. But we have very little mm. evidence on that it's a failing relationship, other than the fact that it fails slightly because she hints, wants to date someone. Yeah, it slightly else. hints that he drinks, and it slightly hints. Well, it shows us that he's a douche. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I was expecting it to be a bit more overt, like especially when there was the, um, you know, when they revealed the mansion, her dad's mm. mansion. I was expecting mm. there to be something where, like, you know, m- m- Crocodile Dundee yeah. catches him being like, oh, once we're married, I'll have all the money or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I see. I was like, missed opportunity. Seem to remember that be- there being something like that, but yeah, obviously yeah, thinking Richard of a different film. Very much strikes me as a character who, or, or a person in this who um, was sort of. Not necessarily there because of who he was. He was there because of the position he filled in yeah. that he, he society. Plays, he plays a counterpoint to Mick yeah. Dundee. Yeah, he, he plays the expectation. Fancy, like and he's I, condescending. And I feel she, like he's yeah. written like that. She's oh, yeah. a New oh, yeah, York yeah. socialite, yeah. basically. Or like she's on the cusp of being one because her dad She's basically Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah. <laughs> and so because of that that sort of figure that Richard plays is the sort of person that she should marry. But she decided to go down under and go eat some guana with uh, with, with uh, Mick. Yeah, yeah. the only snake you have to worry about is the one in his rucksack. <laughs> the way that was going. Uh, well, he's not, he doesn't even have a rucksack. He's yeah. some, Look, that's true. He doesn't I, use the I, I, I think that the proposal heavily indicates that there was some level of seriousness, at least perceived seriousness, on one end of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there is, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting yourself out of a, a failed relationship or a failing relationship. Um, I just, I don't know. It, is your it issue... came across to me as perhaps she sh- there was there was a right and a wrong way to do things. Mm. Is your issue partly that she seemed to be engaging emotionally with Mick whilst 
the other relationship yes. still existed. Like she was defending her boyfriend, him saying, no, he's great. He's a caring and kind mm. person mm-hmm. after they made out like a day before. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like she, she came in and be like, oh, he's the worst and I'm just kind of stuck and I don't have a choice. But I think that she actually, was like, no, no, I like him. But I think that depicts the way that relationships end and can indeed begin more yeah. truthfully. There are people who are in relationships and it can be a serious relationship or it can be a sure. semi-serious relationship yeah. and they might suddenly find somebody else and they're mm. like, oh, wait, no, my heart beats for thee. Like they're mm. just suddenly going, this is someone who I would prefer that is to be thing with. That can yeah. happen, yeah. And they may hook up and it's, there's no clear timeline of like, this relationship has ended, beep, boop, it's been stamped. Now I can start <laughs> dating the crocodile man. <laughs> But here's the thing. Uh, I would, I would hope in that, in that you know, it's all gonna end all relationships now. <laughs> Beep boop. I'm gonna nail the crocodile man. <laughs> Look, uh, yes, uh, that can happen in the real world. Love is a complicated thing. Mm. Yada yada yada. She at no point made any attempt to uh, uh, indicate to her current partner. That she was not interested. In fact, if anything, she encouraged him. Mm. How? Right I think it. it just goes. Well, I... she defended him. She indicated that she liked him. I think this uh, just goes. She back took the to... ring, and I mean, you know. I think this just goes back to there isn't enough plot. Yeah. There yeah. isn't enough. Look, and that's it. Like, it regarding... needed one scene. Yeah. Because even at the end, when she's yelling across the train station, she's like, "I'm not going to marry him." Her words are, "I'm not going to marry him." Not, "We broke up." Yeah. Which it implies she still hasn't even let the poor bloke. I mean, he's a douche, so we don't. You know, we're, hey, we're not supposed maybe, to care. Maybe but... she's trying to swing the whole poly relationship thing. Maybe. Maybe yeah. she's just she wants to. Have her cake and eat Paul Hogan too, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, look. Well, I, he is a tasty, it is, it leathery is it is. treat. <laughs> it is what it is. I just, like, I, I needed at least one scene where mm. she, it showed that... That she broke up with him. Not, not even that she broke up with him, that, like, a reason why, you know, maybe she's feeling social pressure mm. or... You know, yeah. anything to indicate that this fun. wasn't just her yeah. being like, no, I just choose to do this and, and even, I choose to do this as well. And even they had the scenes where they could do that as well. Mm-hmm. Like the the proposal scene, she genuinely looks happy. and like, why don't you show that you're a bit conflicted about this yeah. considering in about five minutes time you're going to throw away this, mm-hmm. really at least from an outsider's perspective, a good marriage mm-hmm. for some guy who... Kills goannas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, and he this, probably has. And this five is kind of. I, I think what it came back to me is just I, I found the two of them, mm. and it, and it could have been fixed so easily to just be mm. unlikable. I think the main reason that she went that way is because this film isn't called Richard the Dickhead Editor. If this no. film was called about Richard, she would have left Crocodile Dundee. I think. I think. I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay to see that film. <laughs> He was a it's wanker. Just, it's just him <laughs> snorting a lot of cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, this film is transphobic. Yes. That's, yeah. That's, that that, that is the thing. hurt me. To yeah. Watch. Yeah. For for those who I had a visceral reaction to yeah. this scene. Please explain yeah. it. Yeah. As for... soon as I saw that character mm. in that bar scene, I was like, oh, please no. So please for those no. who have not watched the film and are waiting to watch it, um, basically what happens is. Mix in a bar with his cab driver, a woman comes up and is clearly showing interest in him. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, all right, I'll go back home with you. But then the cab driver pulls him aside and says, that's not a woman, that's a man. And Mick um, 
investigates this or confirms this by grabbing her crotch to confirm uh, what genitals she had. And yeah, then... Just to name it for it is he assaults her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in doing so, like, publicly shames her and the whole bar laughs at him and he's essentially like... What's going no, they on? don't laugh at him. No, no, yeah. They pat him on the back and say, "Ah, oh, you showed her." Yeah, and then as this poor trans woman immediately leaves in distress. Yeah. While the whole bar laughs at her. I just, for it as much as I am for trans characters being played by trans people, I really hope that was not a trans actor, because mm. that is just horrific. Yeah, and it also leads to a second assault in the le- the next scene when he meets an older woman who has, Masculine say, f- features. features which are similar to the trans woman and grabs her crotch, she's into it in a goes, in mm. a comedy old lady after a younger man kind of way. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... I did not remember that at all from from when yeah. I was a kid. And it is awful. It yeah. Hurt me. Yeah. It uh, is... Because the... F- and the problem... The first one, they depicted that... The second one is a fetish fetishization i'm saying it wrong mm. fetish oh she's just a bit of a cougar like yeah they, they they're clearly running for the whole like oh well, it's a gag already... but also they're trying to play it like oh but they uh, already she showed... must be you know uh yeah they already they already show that she's into younger men because mm. of the guy that's standing next to her but again it's that it that that, that but that's a you know that's a um objectification yeah. in a sense because it's one of those things of oh a, a trans individual must be highly sexual because they mm. are trans and it's it's people tight whereas the first one uh, so the second one i didn't like i thought it was offensive but the first one hurt my heart because it just depicted that situation realistically in my mind yeah he does this horrible thing the whole bar laughs and all we we don't get any anything other than watching this poor woman turn and walk out quickly in distress leaving the public area after he's just humiliated her i oh yeah yeah and the unfortunate thing is there are still comedy shows there are still comedic movies that use those gags to this day Mm. um yeah yeah it is it is not good um thoroughly unlikable leading characters Mm. however i know that you know as a younger person being very uneducated about these topics would have been hilarious um and yeah and i don't think there's no there's no way of there's no justification yeah, there's for no it. justification for it i got, nothing, for I got it. nothing on it it just yeah and, and it was also realistic yeah i think that was probably it was a thing that i'm sure has happened to countless, countless people, people. <sighs> yeah Hmm. Um, so from a little bit of uh, just looking online, I believe that um, Anne Carlyle plays uh, Gwendolyn, yeah. who I believe is the... Who's the character. Who's yeah. the uh, trans character. Um, uh, they're an American actress, uh, artist, etc., who is known for playing uh, the lead female and male counterpart roles in the film Liquid. Um, okay. So this is a person who has acted um, across uh, the gender spectrum. So I don't believe that they are identifying as a trans woman mm. from, from a very quick sort of Google search. Yeah. But even so, it's, it's, it's appalling. Well, it's 
I got nothing. It's the it's the way that if you if that person is a trans um, actor, mm. um, I mean that's the way they made bank back in then, and yeah. you can't you can't fault them for trying to put food on their table mm. for yeah. that. Um, and and also yeah. the, the the fact of the matter is is that this is a feature that is not uncommon from other films at the time, yes. and. Or to this day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, even to this day. But certainly, I think in this time period, there was much more... There was was no positive depictions of trans people in major films. Like, I remember... I think it must be one of the... Oh, it's um, bloody Ace Ventura. Oh, yeah. Where that film... uh, Spoilers for Ace Ventura, guys. But that... Well, the big villain is revealed to be a, a... trans person yeah pre-surgery trans woman and that you know the joke is oh this person is disgusting because they are yeah yeah and so you know there are there are films which or if we go or if we go further afield in other um art mediums the most recent novel by jk rowling Mm -hmm. uh, in which the murderer is is said to i think it's said to dresses as a woman Therefore, basically, it sort of equates that trans people are evil. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the very least, this film is not built around the fact that the villain is, is someone who is yes. trans. It is a, it is essentially a throwaway gag that doesn't need to be in the film, yeah. which actually kind of makes it worse now I say it like that. Uh, but, forewarned, that is in yes. this film. Uh, and with that now being said... Would you guys like some trivia about the <laughs> Larrikin uh, Australian comedy Crocodile please, Dundee? Please, yeah. please. I, yes, please do. Okay. All of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. It's the internet's fault. Yes. Um, there were steel, rubber, and aluminium versions of the Bowie knife on set. Uh, Hogan kept one of the steel knives after the movie and promised never to sell it. I don't know who he promised that to. I bet he did. But, yeah. You would, though, if you're Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. You'd keep one. Uh, The Sydney Harbour Bridge is shown at the beginning of this movie from the hotel window while Sue is on the phone to New York. Mm. Paul Hogan helped paint this bridge before he started his life as an actor uh, and was said to have kept his co-workers laughing a good bit of the time, probably by Paul Hogan, but still, he he was somebody who painted the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Bridge painter. Probably explains why his skin is so leathery. (laughs) Yeah, his skin. Yeah. And it's he even, must have had skin cancer at It's some even point. worse now. Mm. Is that a thing? Did he have skin cancer at some point? He must have. Uh, I'm not his know. doctor. Wouldn't but... be surprised. Yeah. Um, I know be, now he'll... he looks even more leathery <laughs> partly because of all the Botox he's had. When he, uh, oh, yeah. Tell you what, when he passes on, they'll be able to turn him into a vest. <laughs> it's leather. David Gulpil uh, choreographed the uh, Aboriginal dance that is shown in this film. Sure. Um, so Makes sense. Yeah. And... I I just thought it looked great, and mm. also, it's it's just nice because it ties into we did walk about on this program mm. recently, and it is kind of interesting looking at that kind of through line between uh, that film and this film yeah. because they are cons- two of the most famous films about Australia mm. um, that are out there, and um, yeah, even though we get a tiny bit of David Goldblum in this film, um, the the dance looked great, and I kind of wish we got to see more of it. He's mm. just. The to be fair, I haven't seen him in much. Mm. Um, he's just such an incredible performer, mm. and it would have been amazing for him because unfortunately he's quite ill now. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we'll have him for much longer. 
it would have been amazing for him to be just starting his career like now or even in five ten years and what we could have gotten from mm. him mm. when when he's not just getting pigeonholed into um the yeah. magical indigenous person role mm. um crocodile dundee was the second highest grossing film of 1986 mm. goodness yeah what was first uh top gun yeah, oh yeah sense. Yeah, uh, this film took $177 million in the United States. Mm. How much was it expensive to make? It didn't look that expensive. It was almost certainly not $177 million <laughs> to make. It made $353 million worldwide. Um, it did well. Mm. Um, it cost $8.8 million Australian right, to make. Right, so it's pretty cheap. pretty cheap. I mean, obviously, that would be you know more expensive now, but... Mm. Not that much more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the quotes around the word crocodile in the title, which we can see on the screen right now, mm. um, they were added for the American release to ensure people didn't think that Dundee was a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of right. goes along with the, I don't know if it's true, but apparently this got subtitled for the American audiences. Because it couldn't understand. Because it couldn't understand yeah. Australian I mean, that accents. that bar scene needed subtitles. But doesn't oh, yeah. that... Doesn't but that, yeah. could, that could just be bad sound. But doesn't that just reek of, like, a bunch of executives in the room being like, yeah, but will it play in middle America? Like, mm. Will a potato listen, farmer in listen, Iowa listen, understand? Uh, I, I'm just worried that, you know... Uh, that, that maybe people will think he's an actual crocodile. I mean, he is from <laughs> Australia. We don't know what it's like down there. Yeah. Yeah. People call him Mick sometimes. He's Pass got me so some more names. cocaine, please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the buffalo that Mick Dundee pacified was drugged. That's how they achieved <laughs> Makes it. Makes sense. Yeah. Ethic? No, of course not. Yeah. No. I, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't to... killed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sitting for a nap, I guess that's not. I don't know if it was horrible. ethically drugged or not. I don't know if they had the buffalo. I'm sure, sure they, they just got a vet on site. They were yeah. just like, yeah. yeah. The idea for the movie, Paul Hogan claims, came from when he visited New York and felt like an outsider. And also the fact that people there thought he was Scottish. <laughs> um, which, having been to New York with a couple of Australians a few years ago and them being misidentified as English. Um, mm. It's because it they're very well spoken as the- Yes. That's the thing. It was Dr. Alan's, and it probably didn't help that she was with me, and I am English, so they were just like, <laughs> oh, you must all be from England, and we're like, oh, no. I, no, I, I think did... Ellen's pretty Australian. I got mistaken for English in England. Yeah, so it does Last happen. Last time I was there. Um, I have been mistaken for not Australian in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> the final bit of trivia relates to the fact that um, there was a real Crocodile Dundee. Mm. Uh, was it? Me? No. <laughs> Good. I Good. wish. Hang but... on. Now now I do need to ask. Yeah. Was this individual a crocodile? No. <laughs> All right. Good. Go it's on. A human please. being. All right. Continue. Uh, Paul Hogan has insisted that Crocodundee was his own creation, but uh, many believe that the real life inspiration for the character was a man named Rod Ansell. Rod Ansell became popular in Australia in 1977 when his boat capsized during a solo hunting expedition and he spent two months trapped in the wilderness. He survived by drinking cow blood, sleeping with snakes, and occasionally fighting and decapitating the odd crocodile. During a later BBC interview, uh, which he reportedly attended barefoot, Ansell mentioned that the hotel they put him up in was nice, but he decided to sleep on the floor. Um, oddly enough, it was this tiny detail and not the animal fighting stuff that inspired Crocodile Dundee, the character. Unfortunately, Ansel didn't see a cent from the use of his story uh, in the film because 
Paul Hogan insisted that it wasn't Rod Ansell, um, mm. was not the inspiration. Uh, and unfortunately, his life and marriage fell apart. Uh, he developed a drug habit which culminated in a shootout with police officers in oh, 1999. Jesus. This took a turn! He killed one of the police officers and was killed by the cops with a shotgun. Uh, some say he was driven mad by his exclusion from the successes of the movies of Crocodile Dundee. The production company even banned him from starting his own Crocodile Dundee tours. Oh my god. <laughs> Shit got dark, quick. It's like combine Crocodile Dundee and then he becomes Ned Kelly. Just want to be clear, that is not a fun fact. <laughs> True. Particularly for Rod Ansell. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, are we just combining Australian folklore legends now? I mean, mm. you know. Mm. Well, that was... He was Crocodile Dundee and then mm. went, he wanted to, he went the way of... But that, that was Rod. That was someone who lived his life. He was genuinely someone that lived out Bush. Mm. But I think maybe he depicted what the reality of this character is, which is you get addicted to methamphetamines and get killed in a shootout with the cops. Mm. I'd love to see that sequel. <laughs> just Paul Hogan today. Yeah. Just wired on meth. Yeah. So, unlikable leads. Can we all agree? I think... Um, I had no particular feelings, mm. pro or anti. I think that... I'll take that as an agreement. I think that Paul Hogan. No, represents... that's not what I said. I uh, think you. Uh, to to those of you listening at home, um, we did just have to turn off the mics and turn them back on. But while they were off, Cat uh, vehemently agreed with my take. While they were off, Stephen, what did you think? Dean died suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm a ghost. Woo. Um, I'm here to haunt the podcast no, forevermore. Go, go say boo, not woo. <laughs> no, no. I'll tell you what ghosts say, because I am one, all okay, right? And I don't fair. appreciate you pigeonholing my ghost antics, all okay. right? <laughs> it's called Yes and, Stephen. <laughs> okay. My apologies. Anyway, now that we're done establishing the categories with me, go on, Stephen. What do you think? I think that what the character of Crocodile Dundee represents is an ideal that people would like to live their lives because it represents a sort of freedom that we do not have, mm, generally. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that because of that, um, he is viewed quite favorably as a character, even though... A lot of his behaviours are very problematic if put into the real world. But in this sort of fantasy film land, mm. he is someone that allows them to live with freedom. And there are both positives and negatives. Yeah. He does not feel a compunction to, for example, to not um, inappropriately touch someone to confirm their gender in his eyes, which is a big problem. But he is also someone who, if when someone pulls a knife on him, pulls out a bigger knife and scares them off. He, he feeds into ideas of both power fantasies and uh, the ideas of freedom. Mm. And there are consequences to that, which I think go much deeper than a 90-minute Australian comedy from 1986 really can actually unpack and deal with. And I think also, like, I think if Paul Hogan... No, sorry, not Paul Hogan. If Crocodile Dundee was an actual person alive today, he would be the one ringing up Alan Jones and be like, oh, it's just... It's too much. <laughs> no, like, PC gone mad. Bullshit. Yeah. So with all that being said, let's score the film. <laughs> Dean, you get to go first because it was your first time watching Crocodile Dundee. What score is it getting out of 10? Out of 10, I'm going to give it uh, uh, a... That's not a knife. This is a knife that is sharp and problematic. Okay. So I'm going to call that a four. Uh, no. What do you reckon then? Uh, I'm going to give it out of 10. I'm going to give it a, uh, 
stabbing a crocodile to death and then twisting the knife whilst using a kangaroo puppet to shoot off poachers. My apologies. Out of ten. Four and a half. Uh, <laughs> Katrina, what would you uh, give this film? Um, well, unfortunately, this film does have a bit of nostalgia for me, so I'm, I'm a bit more lenient with it, possibly more lenient than I should be. Mm. Uh, with all that in mind, I'm going to give it uh, five and a half mummified, leathery, tanned Paul Hogan faces out of ten. <laughs> oh, his, his skin, though, eh? It's, it's so, just, it's so yeah. tanned. And when it he's is. got his shirt off, you can tell it's meant to be like, oh, look at his body, but I'm just like, oh, the skin! The cancer! <laughs> you just slip, slap, slap, slip, slap, slap! Yeah, you just want to cover him up with a rack Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I, I had a nice time revisiting this. Um, I think there are some pretty, pretty big issues with it, but I also acknowledge the fact that this is quite a... On the large part, fun film. It I don't is, think it's a bad yeah. film. Yeah, it's certainly not. Yeah, it certainly isn't a bad no. film. And also, I mean, the impact that it had certainly on this country, both in terms of tourism and film, mm. is is pretty phenomenal. Um, and and should be recognised. Uh, and indeed, I think will continue to be recognised. Um, but there are a few things which uh, may impact your viewing. Um, so that is just something to be aware of. Uh, with all that being said, I'm probably gonna give it. I'm gonna give it five and a half bidets out of ten. Um, <laughs> that you can wash your backside in. Yeah, because the bidet scene was good. Uh, like again, there's some moments of genuinely good comedy. You know, do you breed yeah. a buffalo? Now nah, we toss them. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's, there's a couple of meanings in that, Mick. Whoa, hey. Um, so. That brings us to the end of this episode. Dean and Katrina, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Cheers, Cobber. Thank you very much, Lee. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Australia Month rattles on next week, but what will we be watching? I don't know. I mean, I do, but I'm not going to tell you. You'll just have to tune in next week to find out. What's the film that's actually called Australia? We've done that, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Or as I like to call it, Rabbit Proof Fence, World War II version. Yeah. Uh, we Anyway, if you want to watch uh, and find out what films we are going to be watching, you can subscribe to this program and you'll get a new episode each and every week and it will tell you what film we're watching. Uh, so go to iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud and give us a little follow there. Subscribe. Uh, we, we can also be found on Facebook. You can search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. Give us a like, get news and updates, vote on films. Uh, we've just finished the voting for our Australian film this month and it will be... The Dish. Uh, you oh, have chosen nice. The Dish mm. with Sam Neill. You just bullshitted NASA. <laughs> When's my turn? <laughs> so if you want to hear what we think of that film, please uh, make sure you like us on Facebook, subscribe. And of course, there is also the Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash podcast for all sorts of bonus extra goodies. Um, Dean, Fringe is almost upon us. Do you yes. have anything that you would like to plug? No. Nah. Oh, are you sure? But I think Kat has something that she would desperately like to plug. I have a show called Hair. Oh, um, sorry, I was setting you up to plug for me. Uh, <laughs> Kat actually has a real plug. What yeah, is it? I have a show called Hair, which is um, all about the emotional and sometimes funny, sometimes not uh, relationship and political relationship that women have with uh, hair. And okay. what dates are they on? That is from the 15th of January to the 19th at the State Theatre Centre. Excellent. So book your tickets now mm-hmm. uh, if you're in Got birth. three amazing performers. I am not one of them, which you can thank your lucky stars <laughs> mm. for that. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Hair and Dean, uh, would you now like to actually plug your show? Yes. 
<laughs> Sorry, I don't know which show you've good. got. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't I'm, help you out, buddy. We're doing it again this year for the sixth year in a row. We're doing Bogan Shakespeare. Uh, this year's going to be Bogan Shakespeare Presents Macbeth, uh, the Scottish play. Uh, mm. Should be good fun. Uh, make sure to grab your tickets because we're already having reduced capacity because of COVID and they are already selling very strongly. We've sold out every year. If you want to come, please come. But please buy your tickets soon. What dates is that? Uh, uh, starts from the fifteenth Thursday. The Fringe runs for ten days. So that's the, so that's fifteenth uh, of January. Fifteenth of January. Cool. Yes. Okay. So right at the start, and uh, you also have a little show I like called Improv D and D. Improv D and D is a combination of improv comedy and Dungeons and Dragons, the oldest, most popular, not the oldest, but definitely the most popular role playing tabletop game in existence. It's a mm-hmm. lot of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I'm told this year it's. Uh, Potentially going to be a, a, a riff on a school of witchcraft and wizardry, but I cannot confirm beyond that. Yes. Uh, please come check that out. Again, we have reduced capacity. That show has sold out every year prior. So if you do want to get tickets, please uh, do so soon. Yes. And I can personally say it's very, very good. And I can personally say I'm in it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, that show is running from the 27th of January to, I believe, the 1st of Feb. Yes. It's running for five days, five shows only. Yes. So, uh, oh, uh, oh no. no, sorry, one additional show, yes. which will be a, a week later, which will be now accessibility show. Yes, so mm-hmm. if you want information about that, or indeed any of the other 450 plus shows that are on at Fringe this year in Perth, please go uh, to the various Fringe websites. Uh, you can Google it, you should be able to find it, but those are three shows that we would recommend. Yeah. But that is all for this week, so until next time... That's not a kangaroo. That's a dead kangaroo. <laughs> 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 just love the implication that those guys would go home and be like, the kangaroo <laughs> came back from the dead and learned to use a firearm. Hopefully, they then became conservationists. Mm. If anything, they'd probably try and hunt that kangaroo down yeah, because it's clearly a threat to people. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.